0: you know me I'm, I'm so conceited i got to talking about my podcast and
1: oh yeah i was like trying to get away and you know he just kept coming <laughs>
0: i was like gripping him by his arm and i was like you're you're gonna want to hear about this and yeah. look i got him here so oh, something yeah. worked. I for one hope you are doing phenomenal. Before we hop into the subject matter for this episode, I do want to preface that the featured piece of media, Bojack Horseman, engages with some heavier subject matter than is typically discussed on Retrospection Connection. I want to provide a trigger warning for topics such as self-harm, sexual assault, and substance abuse. With that being said, let's head into today's episode. I'm your host, Jalen, and welcome back to Retrospection Connection, where we take a more critical look back at TV and movies that left their mark on us in a formative moment of our lives. Allow me to serve as your guide as we take a look back at today's chosen piece of media. Lately, I've been reminiscing on one of my favorite conventions of the classic sitcom, which unfortunately has fallen a bit out of favor in the past few decades. I'm talking about the very special episode you likely remember an episode of your favorite 80s or 90s sitcom that addressed an unusually heavy topic for the format, such as race and class issues, substance abuse, domestic violence, and a myriad other topics. It was honestly a bit jarring most of the time, ham-fisted between plots chock-full of frivolous hijinks and shenanigans. Nonetheless, on occasion, necessary and important conversations were sparked with these sorts of episodes and they paved the way for modern sitcoms to integrate these topics more seamlessly. One such example, in my opinion, is Netflix's hit animated sitcom Bojack Horseman, which chronicles the life of the titular character positioned as a washed-up Hollywood has-been, trying, and often failing, to make a new name for himself, despite his troubled past and present. In this episode of RC, I chat with new friend and Bojack expert, Chris, on how this show and its characters contend with what it means to be a complicated human or anthropomorphic animal, and to make the most of being alive, despite the cards you've been dealt. I hope you enjoy! Of course, follow Retrospection Connection on Instagram at Retrospection Connection, and share some of your thoughts about Bojack Horseman while you're at it. Alrighty, hello everyone. I am joined by a relatively new friend, Chris. Would you like to introduce yourself as well as try to give your best uh, description of how we met each other?
1: Hi, my name's Chris. (laughs) Uh, uh, To some people, Christopher. Uh, We we met each other at a mutuals party first at Christmas, I believe.
0: I believe yes, the Christmas party is where we initially met. So I have a friend who's dating one of his friends. Yeah, and so <laughs> his friend is very kind to invite me to some different stuff that happens at his house, and so you know me, I'm I'm so conceited. I got to talking about my podcast.
1: And oh yeah, it was it was like I was like trying to get away, and you know he just kept coming.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like gripping him by his arm, and I was like, "You're you're gonna want to hear about this." And yeah. look, I got him here, so no, something yeah. worked.
1: <laughs> no, he's he's you're lovely. It's 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 great Aww. to talk to you, and you know now we're here to talk about you know a cool show.
0: (laughs) Now we're here. We're going to talk about a really cool show that we'll reveal a little bit later, but I'm so excited that we had the idea to talk about it and now it's coming to fruition. My listeners know I like to ask all of my guests this question. I think it helps us orient ourselves into uh, talking about media and our relationship to it. So first question is how would you describe your relationship to popular culture and popular media growing up?
1: Um, let's see. For a long time, because my parents, yeah, you know, parents have different levels of strictness, you know, when mm-hmm. it comes to certain shows and different types of media. Uh, they didn't like me watching certain shows, but I still think that I was very involved in like a lot of the shows that I watched. Growing up, I've always been attracted to pieces of media, like shows and, you know, movies and stuff. I, I didn't really play games. I, so as uh, growing up I kind of developed like even now I'm kind of like a more passive you know enjoyer of uh, of media and stuff so being being a reader on like you know Twitter or reddit or any of the online spheres these days I'm a big consumer uh, like boiling everything down I've watched a lot of shows uh, you know streaming service stuff and then I watched like anime I try to keep up with some things but yeah I'm a big consumer I, I Really, like I, I just like to enjoy a lot of different things. I like storytelling, I like character stuff, I like world building. Even as a kid, like I enjoyed that kind of stuff. Like you know, Avatar was up there for my favorites and stuff. That kind of opened the door for a lot of uh, things that I enjoy now.
0: That's so interesting that you you identify as a sort of passive consumer because just in conversation with you, it feels like you readily engage with with the stuff that you take in. It feels a lot more active to me but yeah. why would you say you're you're more passive than like actively engaging uh, with it
1: I actively engage when it comes with other people that I converse <laughs> with and like talk about like certain uh, subjects or piece of media but I think when I'm actually like just consuming it on its own I just like, let it flow through me whether it be like the emotions or the storytelling and I I think I'm critical of it and like I I'm very invested but I let it kind of happen to me and I just let, it. It, let it sit with uh me and my feelings or my thoughts. So
0: I hear you. I actually really like that. I think you you need a balance. And I've certainly been through phases of being a consumer where I'm both very critical when I'm speaking about it with friends and colleagues and stuff like that. And when I'm just watching it on my own. And I think you do need some time to just take some stuff in. Don't think too deeply about it and reserve those moments to think critically about that piece of media when you're in conversation with other people. So I actually really like that. Now you said that your parents weren't the most strict, but you know, they have their rules. And something that's always fascinating to me is like your particular household's rules around media. I know for me growing up, I grew up in a pretty religious christian household so in my household it was like okay no harry potter one that i really wanted to watch when i was really young was like wizards of waverly place it took a long time for me to be able to watch that show sabrina the teenage witch really anything that had to do even vaguely with (laughs) sorcery witchcraft wizardry was pretty much off limits for a long time so i'm curious was there any sort of odd rules or, or things like that in your household that you had to abide by that maybe your friends didn't have to?
1: Um, I don't think so. I think, I think for my parents, it was like, although they were very religious and Catholic, I don't think it was as specific with those things because like my mom worked in the church. So Mm. she got like a different perspective on like that type of view of religion than just the general crowd of believers i think and so she didn't have any specific things that she was like oh this is like evil She was kind of just like yeah whatever it was more towards anything she specifically or like my dad thought well that's kind of weird i don't i don't think you should watch that (laughs) like she she just got like a bad vibe from stuff like ed and eddie or curse a cowardly dog Um, yeah yeah stuff where they were just like this is kind of weird um i'm not gonna let you watch this and i was like these are, these are kind of popular shows for my, as my friends. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. but but like, you know, I, I watch Wizards of Waverly Place a lot. And I feel like maybe not a ton of my friends necessarily did because yeah. I, I went to private school, Catholic school. And so maybe their parents didn't let them watch it. But like, I watched that all the time. And so, yeah, it was mostly their specific um, thoughts on the show. But then there were certain shows that they just never saw. Like, I watched Mr. Meaty. And that show is a hundred times weirder than, like, Courage and Ed and Eddie. <laughs>
0: you said Mr. Meaty?
1: Yeah. I, I don't know if you know that show. It's like a puppet. Yeah. yeah it's, I
0: it's... know that show. Very, very odd.
1: It, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is terrible. I, I'm watching every, like, episode. <laughs> like... Yeah,
0: <laughs> And I'm sad. I will be watching. Yeah. I will be tuned in. Yeah. I believe that that was on Nickelodeon.
1: Yeah. It was Nick.
0: If you, you know, want to maintain their sense of sanity. I wouldn't look up Mister. Yeah, don't
1: don't if you, just looking up a picture of it, you're like, this is creepy. <laughs>
0: yeah, something is wrong with the creators and and whatnot. But if you feel like you're already too far gone, I think Mister. Meaty could be a, a cool avenue to explore. Very odd. So, I can also relate to just those weird vibes moments with my parents, especially my mom. She didn't like me watching SpongeBob. Um, really. Yeah, she was just like he's stupid. Uh, he he just has like a
1: an air to him.
0: She thought I was very impressionable, which, to her credit, yeah. I don't think is wrong. I was like seven, so yeah. We're with that being said, I'm definitely going to be having a SpongeBob episode relatively soon. So did it work?
1: <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it made you want to do it more as an adult.
0: Right, right. Look, I have a degree, so clearly, uh, yeah, the effects sort of leveled out, and here <laughs> we are now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's exactly what happened.
0: All right, Chris, I think we are just about ready to get into it. Would you like to tell the audience, what show are we featuring today?
1: Today, we are featuring a little show called BoJack Horseman. Very excited.
0: (laughs) Very excited. I, I can see it in your face, and I am very excited as well. You know, just for the listeners, I never set out to watch the entire show of any show that I feature on this podcast because i think it's frankly unrealistic to yeah. aspire to that goal it's not something that i want to necessarily make the practice of but i watched the entire bojack horseman series because yep. i was i was gripped and it was chock full of themes and messages things that i did not think would be relevant to me at all and they Hit home. I think maybe it's just the right time, the right place of mind that I'm at, but it's safe to say that this will be something that I return to at some point. So, I firstly, I want to thank you for exposing me to this because, oh, well, thank you. Wow. So, before we get into it, because I want to discuss your relationship to the show, how you started watching it, and you know, all of that sort of stuff. But before we get too far into things, I want to set the scene and add a basic premise for the show. Set in Hollywood, the series revolves around the anthropomorphic horse, Bojack Horseman. Also, can we give a shout out to me for saying anthropomorphic? That, yeah, was, that was so good. correct. <laughs> First try, that wasn't even my uh, second attempt, guys. Anyways, Bojack Horseman, a washed up star of a 1990 sitcom, Horsin' Around, Who plans a return to relevance with an autobiography to be written by ghostwriter Diane Wen? It also chronicles his contentions with his agent, Princess Carolyn, former rival, Mr. Peanut Butter, roommate, Todd Chavez, and his declining mental health. Woo, I got through that. Yeah, you did. So I have to ask based on that, it was pretty bare bones premise, just enough to get the audience along, but do you feel like there's anything? especially relevant that's missing from this premise that you'd like to fill in the audience on
1: as a basis no because i think going in with with the idea that like the first thing you get is anthropomorphic all the weird names like 90s star and so like already you get like a bunch of things where like oh this is childish almost and then you get oh this is like nostalgic because of the 90s or like what you know so be it and then the last sentence of declining mental health you're like okay well that's a little like what does that mean because that can mean like a lot of things and it does in the show it does
0: (laughs) (laughs) spoiler alert it certainly does and yeah that last little comma and his declining mental health is doing a lot of heavy lifting when i was watching this show i just for reference i am currently 22 years old and this felt like a lot for me. I was like, Am I old enough to be watching this? This feels <laughs> taboo. I feel different than when I started yeah. watching the show. Do you remember how old you were when you started watching?
1: This was, uh, it started 2014, I believe, right? And uh, yes. I was, you'll give away my age. <laughs> um, I was 16, I think. I think that's when I, I first started it. I talked to you a little bit about it, but I went into the show not really knowing anything like I didn't even know the summary really I just saw oh a Netflix original has a horse guy I was like it's it's animated I'm like cool like I'll try I'll try this I don't care <laughs> this is kind of what I was just consuming just you know whatever I saw and and I went into it not really I guess prepared you know you binged it but I watched it through the years as it came out so every season I binged I, I got I got connected with it I, I originally had it on as background noise. i just walk around, I'd do stuff, I'd you know, eat, I'd, whatever. And I don't think it really sat with me, like all the stuff that was going on in the show or what it was setting up. I don't think it really hit me, like what the show was about to like season three, I think. Like not to say the first two seasons were bad. Like I, they, they have really important things, but I just think I wasn't there for it. By then I, I would have been 18. I started to be like, oh, okay, wait a second. <laughs>
0: And that makes sense, 18 legally, and I think even on an emotional and mental level can be a turning point for a lot of people. So it makes complete sense that maybe that was a pivotal moment for you and the show and your relationship to it at that time. But just watching the show myself a few weeks ago, and we'll get into some specific themes later on, but season three feels very pivotal to me as well. The first two seasons, think conditioned me for one experience and then season three especially towards the end gave me something entirely different and i think that was the tone that hovered over the rest of the show so for the listeners, there are six seasons so from basically mid season three on i i agree i feel like there's a slightly different tone to the show and i was certainly more like attentive to what was happening in those seasons, as opposed to what was happening at the very beginning.
1: Again, again, not to like undermine, like there are some really impactful and emotional some of the first two seasons, but like you said, like there is some shift that maybe it's because consequences in the show that kind of stay throughout. That you're like, oh, like th- this is like something actually occurred, right? And has it's, it's changed the way that you view the show and the characters.
0: And I think that is largely attributed to the, who is the word serial when it's continuous and there's continuity or is that? Serialization, yeah. Yes, yeah. So there's heavy serialization of this show, basically meaning that the actions taken in one particular episode do carry over into the next episode and even into the remainder of the show. So I think what we're kind of getting at is that as the seasons go on, there's more and more things that accumulate that are still considered. So it gives you a lot more to chew on and a lot more to think about as as the show goes on. I do want to touch on this word anthropomorphic. We talked about it a little bit in the premise, but I think that it's a really crucial part of the show that allows it to tackle so many of the serious topics that it does while still feeling somewhat familiar. So what is that term? I think everybody will know it when they hear it.
1: Uh, anthropomorphic is just like, was it? Like humanized versions of, uh, of certain objects or creatures. And so like anthropomorphic mm-hmm. horse, like, it's a humanized horse. He basically has a human body with a horse head. <laughs> yes, uh, and I, I think the same goes through with the rest of the characters where they just kind of slap on the, the skin of whatever creature that they have and with a head on them and then they're kind of just people. <laughs> like, I think that's the basis of it, right? Like bare bones
0: yeah they're they're effectively people but they have character designs that are modeled somewhat after certain animals yeah. at least some of the characters others are traditional so, some human. of the straight
1: people like or just are yeah. just plain people
0: one thing that i really liked about the show in my initial watch was how unspoken all of that was it's like yeah some people in this world are animals and some people are humans just like us and that's really never the focus of the show the differences between the characters and their species are not heavily considered and i think it gives more space to some of the other stuff that is talked about
1: yeah the only way they tackle it is kind of through comedy there's a lot of funny jokes about all the animal stuff like they're really well written in my opinion but when it comes to actually like the serious topics they don't like dwell on that they dwell on like all the stuff that's a little too real
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. talk to me more about your relationship to the show as you've gotten older and how your perspective has shifted as you've gone back and watched the show since you said initially it was a bit more of like a background show that you would put on and and now it's something that you look at more critically
1: i i think during the time that season three hit i started being a little bit more actively like paying attention to uh, all this different stuff that's going on, the different themes during that time in my life, I think I was already being a lot more introspective and a lot more self-aware of certain things about myself, about like my place and different relationships and you know the world. That's where I started kind of like looking at myself in a different way, and I think that that really helped me resonate with the show because the show is very open with this relationship with like the characters and themselves and their relationships, are, like everyone around them and not a good way <laughs> like, like a lot of these characters i think are are pretty terrible people like there's only a couple that are just okay like even the good characters are like you know they, they have their issues
0: <laughs> totally totally which is something that i overall appreciate about the show all of the characters are flawed very true to reality I have yet to meet a perfect person, but you're very right. The spectrum seems to start at okay, and then there's the bottom, which <laughs> is I think like we Bojack, all know who's like, there. Yeah, <laughs> Bojack is there at the bottom. Maybe a couple um, other characters. <laughs> <laughs> Let's frame the show a little bit. So, this show premiered on Netflix. So, I thought that this was fascinating. This is the first show that. I'm featuring here on Retrospection Connection that is solely a streaming show. I think a lot of the people that I'm speaking to that want to be on the show, as well as my previous episodes, a lot of their relationship to the show is somewhat hinged on the fact that it played regularly on cable networks. So being able to watch reruns and connect with the characters over and over again in that sort of way just... By happenstance of catching it on the TV, whereas you are catching all of this show in a in a different format. And I was curious, like, what do you think the format of the show and the way that it's released and the way that it was produced? How do you think that shaped your perception of the show and and how you relate to it?
1: I think it works very well for this show because I think for some shows, having weekly episodes that are new and you getting attached over the characters over a long period of time, I think that that's important for a lot of shows and i think that that you can can gravitate towards a lot but for something like this which is so very heavy when you're watching it week to week you can just sit with certain things and be like i just can't i just don't want to do it and you don't get any resolution to it until months later possibly so having it in a binge format where you kind of just get to consume you kind of either can speed through it or let the emotion sit with you that's that's up to you and get some sort of resolution uh, as it goes on i think that It works perfectly for something like this where, you know, you have to kind of like decide, am I going to just try to breeze past it or am I going to try to deal with certain things that I'm feeling? I think that that works very well because some shows, if they're in a binge format, are very easy to forget. But I think because this evokes a lot of strong sense of emotion and possibly your own history, I think that that makes the show stick with its viewer a lot easier than if it was just a regular comedy, drama or you know, action series that you binge. So I, I think for this specific case, I think it's amazing, and and for me too. Like I, I binged every season as it came out, and mm-hmm. I, I want to say I rewatched some like after the third season. Like I think I want to say I rewatched some stuff because you know, from year to year, you don't necessarily remember every little thing, and and you know, this show is very good at creating consequences to like every little action that happens. So you want to like pay attention to like oh shoot like, this thing that was happening season two it's is brought up again or season one is brought up again <laughs> i think all of that kind of like lets you consistently deal with all the stuff that's going on
0: yeah i noticed that too i feel like other shows that i've binged even if they mean a lot to me in the moment i'm almost certain to not be thinking about it in the next week and who knows it's only been about that amount of time for me and Bojack Horseman. But there were certainly a lot of moments where the show forces you to reckon with the actions or the words of a certain character, whether that be Bojack or any of his friends like Mr. Peanut Butter or Princess Carolyn. You can't not think about them. And there were moments where I was watching it like towards the end of the night. And I'm like, I'm just supposed to turn off the TV now and go to sleep. I (laughs) am unsettled. And it wasn't even necessarily because they did overtly heinous things. Sometimes that was the case. But a lot of times their actions, their words, their sentiments were a lot more morally gray and confusing. And the thoughts that they would have occasionally remind you of your own. And so you're constantly having this conversation, both with the piece of media, but also with yourself. Yeah. Like what beliefs, what feelings, what thoughts am I sharing with this character that I can acknowledge is so deeply flawed? What does that say about me? Yeah. And so maybe that gets to the crux of what you were talking about, but this is not just your average show. And I think the streaming format definitely allows you to go back and continue to engage with this stuff in a in a more critical way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This show really, for me at least, it made me like look at certain views that I was having, or you know, feelings that I was going through, and just like you know, realizing that, albeit some of these characters are like very bad, <laughs> that's inherently human—like to do bad things and to try to get past them and grow. And a lot of it's up to like you letting the show give you like the choice of the path is what really sells it. Because I know that like a lot of shows do that or try to do that, but I think this one it does it so well of all the things
0: that you said nicely said i do want to segue a little bit and i want us to get more into the weeds of some of the themes and the concepts yeah the, so that the listener can understand because i think right now we're both like we're, fan yeah, we're about trying, show. yeah we're
1: trying to be vague also you know yeah <laughs>
0: and, and folks are like i i've never seen this show so i don't know what they're talking about should i watch it should i not so we will get into the the specifics of it but i i want to talk a little bit more about the format of the show this show is what most people would call an adult cartoon yeah. a la like a family guy an american dad king of the hill simpsons it's an animated show that is aimed at adults which uh, I, I unfortunately think, yeah. gets compiled into just a larger group of shows despite yeah. the fact that a lot of times those shows don't really have much to do with each other do you feel that this show is a quote-unquote adult cartoon and, and carries some of the same themes and tropes that, that others of its kind tend to
1: uh i think to some degree but i think that bojack uses those tropes ideas preconceptions and i think it uses that very well we've talked about it a little bit already like you go in expecting ah talking animals i see adult cartoons i watch family guy i watch simpsons i i watch you know whatever you're like they make me laugh and then the show makes you laugh it, it's it makes you laugh in the first you know, few episodes and through the the entire series really but that that's all to like let your guard down so you can connect to the characters and then when shit hits the fan you're kind of just stuck there and like mm-hmm. with the characters tr- struggling to think about well what about what am i supposed to do like how am i supposed to feel <laughs> and i i think that that allure to adult audience that's like oh i just want to be comfortable and, and then they make you uncomfortable <laughs> uh i yes. think you know it's is part of the the process of the show you know it, it's very word of mouth uh when people are like oh this show is pretty good like for me i would recommend this to everyone if i could but i don't know if everyone's ready to watch the show <laughs> like just i don't think everyone's mentally there to process every single thing that goes on in the show and that's okay like
0: And that's not even coming from like a pretentious place either, because I don't want anybody to get the idea of like, oh, you're not mentally sufficient enough to watch this show. It is not that. It's more a matter of this show deals with some heavy, morally ambiguous topics that if you're not in a space to take that in because maybe you're dealing with some of your own shit, please honor that and maybe stay away from this show until you're in a a slightly better mental space and emotional space.
1: Or it could work the other way, where if you're in a rut of yourself and you don't know how to like deal with it and you feel alone, like this could resonate with you in a way that you're like, "Oh, I feel seen and heard." Uh, yeah. and I think it ultimately depends on how you react to pieces of media that like resonate with you. If you're avoidant towards it, then that's fine. If you resonate and you want to connect with it more, I think that this the show works with that too. But yeah, it'll evoke strong emotions. <laughs> I I think.
0: Totally. I totally agree with you. And something you were saying a few minutes ago that really resonated with me was just this idea of how it seems intentional, how the writers framed the first few seasons, because those seasons, with a few exceptions and certain scenes that happen where it feels a little bit more grounded and serious and taken to a more like down to earth. Honest place. It does feel more in line with the traditional adult cartoon, adult sitcom. You know, there's sex jokes and it's people like that are drunk. <laughs> yeah, like, and it's kind of crass and played for laughs. And not that that goes away completely in the future seasons, but I felt like you were saying, I felt stuck <laughs> after a certain point. I felt like I was lulled into the show, and it was traditional fodder. I was enjoying it. I was like, oh, Bojack, he's he's a screw-up. That's him. But he'll be fine. He's got his friends. He's good.
1: Yeah, and, then, and then it turns into, oh, my God, Bojack, you fuck up. He kind of gets to a point where you're kind of like his own voice, where you think mm-hmm. all these terrible things about him. And you also recognize later on, he also thinks of these things, <laughs> like all of that. Together really makes you feel. Oh, this is <laughs> this is a lot.
0: Something that you were getting at a bit earlier is that the premise of this show, having some of the characters be animals, others be humans, some of the the approaches that they take with the animation are also pretty absurd. How do you feel that like that absurdity either helps or hinders the show in addressing its message?
1: I, I think it, it it really helps because once you start like throwing someone off the deep end when you start reeling them back in onto land it hits a little bit more and and, you know it feels more real i think because if you were to just go into the show and there was like not as much crazy zaniness or comedy it can feel maybe too over dramatic or melodramatic and you kind of just either you know hand wave it or just kind of like oh it's one of these like overly over the top emotional stuff but i think a lot of those crazy stuff is supposed to make you feel know secure a little bit it's supposed to make you feel a little bit more comfortable and more accepting of the weird it gets weird it gets wacky and i think that that is supposed to get you attached so when you get all the grounded stuff you're like oh i'm I'm already connected to this crazy world because for you the zaniness is already like real enough because you put your mind in a way that oh this is how the world is and so yeah. when, when the deeper more painful things happen you're already a hundred percent and then it just kind of hits you harder
0: <laughs> so your disbelief is already suspended just yeah. by virtue of watching the first five seconds and you're like oh that's a horse man and yes, we are exactly. <laughs> we are just supposed to accept it and he's talking to a human person and they're understanding each other and, and there's no question of either of these people's relationship to each other they are equals and so yeah i agree you just start to accept everything that the show has to offer and I think it in some ways does make it easier to grasp some of the heavier concepts that are addressed later on. You know, one that I do want to talk about, though, that I think you were really good at talking about this, just the overarching theme of consequences.
1: Oh, yeah, we I, that. I
0: think that's another thing that distinguishes it from other shows in its quote unquote class of yeah. adult cartoons, or even just adult shows in general. Like typically there's not consequences that are experienced for the characters so i'd love to talk about that a little bit
1: this show does have a lot of consequences every little thing that goes on has some sort of payoff or some reasoning you can see the lines of these people and their feelings and and their thought process and how they got there one line of consequence that really hits is all the sarah lynn stuff i think when they first introduce her it comes off very comedic
0: I, I want to give context, yes, uh, especially for folks that have not seen the show. Who is Sarah Lynn? And why do you think the through lines that we see for her character, the things that happened to her, why did that hit you as much as it did?
1: Well, Sarah Lynn is one of the children on BoJack Horseman's show, Horsin' Around. She is the youngest, I forget her name in the actual show, but her, her character, Sarah Lynn, she ends up growing up because of the show it happened in the 90s, so like you know, 15 years previously she becomes a pop sensation and she becomes kind of like famous off of you know her childhood stardom and then
0: yeah. much like britney spears that yeah. sort of a... Like,
1: just a lot of like kind of like disney stars too or like big mm-hmm. stars like you know some, someone like maybe amanda Bynes or something you know. and just her whole life throughout the show it's rough like it is a hard life when we first see her she's dating andrew garfield and she's like on a ton of drugs and she's just kind of out of it. And she ends up taking advantage of BoJack a bit because she's staying at his house and she thinks she's the shit. And then she ends up sleeping with him. In the episode, they kind of treat it as like comedic because it's kind of like the early things and like, it's like, oh, that's weird. Like, you know, these two, you know, work together and they're much different age and you know, it's crazy.
0: And talk about how they work together because yeah. the dynamic at, in which they interacted with each other in the show that they were both on
1: he was a parental figure like he was the dad or the adoptive father but like just that incident alone stays with both of them throughout the entire series because in the episode i think they portray it more comedic but
0: yes they do
1: really sits with both of them because mojack ends up thinking about oh this was a daughter figure that i really truly cared about And he took advantage of his relationship with her. She needed a father figure, and she kind of just attached to whatever was there, which was Bojack. And she ended up spiraling because she got a lot of influence from him. He is a very heavy alcoholic, and so she became a very heavy alcoholic. (laughs) Her life growing up was just really rough because she was a child star. Her parents took advantage of her in multiple terrible ways. She ends up passing away in the middle of the series. Her influence on Bojack cannot be understated. He deals with his grief and his misery about what happened. But you find out later that during her death, he did some very selfish, fucked up things. When she was dying, he didn't get any help. He let her die because he didn't want to be implicated in her death. And that's revealed in the final season. And so for two or three seasons, you get the sense of he was really sad about this. He regresses a lot he did it he was there and so you thought oh yeah he feels guilty but then you realize oh no he just straight up let her die all for his own selfish need and then he tries to make himself feel sorry about it and you're like oh this is just sad just really messed up on her end because this is her father figure that took advantage of her taught her these terrible lifestyle it hits a lot of things about relationships with these parental figures that take advantage of you the relationship with celebrities and success about your own mental health and spiraling, relying on other people you need to trust. And these people that she trusted just let her fall through the cracks. It's just a sad, like look at a child star. <laughs> like, I know that there are cases like similar to hers, like obviously not one for one, but that happened and you kind of just overlook it because, oh, they're a celebrity, you know? You know? Yeah,
0: and you're, you're only seeing the headline yeah. and the after the fact reflection on what's happened. Oh, this this child star went to jail. That's all I know about it. I don't know what their headspace was like before they did the thing that put them in that situation. I don't know who influenced them, if anybody, to take those actions. So I think what you're getting at and what really stuck with me about the show is that it allows you to have an idea of maybe what goes on behind the scenes in some of these people's lives. People that go through Hollywood and are revered for their craft, but also live very troubled uh, internal lives, we yeah. usually don't see that inner turmoil. And, and BoJack Horseman, the show, as well as the character, gives us a really close look at what that could be like for somebody in, in their position, not to necessarily sympathize with them, but at least for the purpose of, of understanding really.
1: well, uh, yeah i mean like this all started with like the consequences right and i think that you know seeing her be a child star and then meet this guy who showed her these you know things that, that took advantage of her and all this stuff like her spiraling her like, dying of you know drug abuse uh, of him having to reckon with it him later on dealing with the legitimate you know, hate for actually letting her die. I think every single thing comes back in a aspect or an aspect, whether it haunts a character, whether it's legitimate consequences because of public outcry or just within the show's narrative of this thing is still there. And I think all of that's uh, very important.
0: Something that I find fascinating when you're talking about consequences is that there's this interplay between consequences for your actions and also these other actors in your story. And I don't mean actors in the sense of like television or movie actors, but yeah, like yeah. just other people that are involved, even in some tangential way in who you are to this day. The show plays a lot with that in terms of like parental figures. So we have Bojack and his TV daughter, Sarah Lynn, that we talked about um, but another big storyline that that spans throughout the whole series is the dynamic between Bojack and his mother. And it, it makes you think, because I think we've all had very complicated relationships with our parents. And if any of the listeners have not, I would love to interview you. I would love to uh, meet somebody that's had an idealistic, uh, perfect, yeah, relationship perfect relationship with their
1: parents. Yeah, good parents, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm like dope. I, I'm I'm glad to see that somebody made it through. But I think framing so much of the show around these complicated parent-child relationships and yeah. seeing these characters reap the consequences for, in some cases, just their upbringing and and what they were taught to believe about the world and about themselves. Is super fascinating, and I was wondering, you know, if you had any more to say about the sort of parent-child dynamic that that cuts through oh. not only BoJack's story but all of the characters.
1: I could talk about parent stuff for a long time. I, I'm very critical when it comes to parenting. I've even talked about it to my parents, and they probably don't love that. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but I, I think that this show really emphasizes uh, is your upbringing. Can create and form a foundation of who you are, but that doesn't excuse you. Like it doesn't excuse all the terrible things that you do. It can it can explain it and define it, uh, but I don't think it excuses you at all. Uh, and I think I think you said uh, Bojack's mother is a is a prime example of that, where she had a terrible childhood, where you know her own mother was lobotomized, her brother was killed in war. And her father like burnt all of the things that she loved and all of that stuff just stuck with her. And and it sat with her and made it so that she was taught that she shouldn't love anything because if you love something, you're going to lose it. And that pain is is greater than anything anyone could cause. And that influences Bojack, where she just straight out tries not to love him. And Bojack being unloved makes him crave for so much attention and so much fervor from everyone in the show. And he and I think that you can see that very readily trying to be a star and, you know, maintain his his influence of you know, being a celebrity, trying to get others, you know, attention to get their love, to get their eyes on him. And that's that's burned into his mother's head because, you know, she wants him to be a star for her own you know, sake and that she just doesn't love him like she just tried not to. That makes it explain, oh, Bojack is craving this attention, this this love that, you know, his was never provided. But he doesn't excuse him doing these terrible things to people like all the stuff that he did with Sarah Lynn that caused her to, you know, to die by you know, overdosing and, and, you know, taking advantage of her. He wanted to have a real connection. And I don't doubt that he genuinely loved her it Was it was such a twisted way and in such a, a negative view of, you know, what love should be that it made their relationship crumble by having her die and him, you know, create the self-loathing because, you know, he was you know, hated by his family. And I I always think that when it comes to parenting, every little thing that you do, your kids are going to remember. remember. But for Mm -hmm. you, you're you're not going to think anything of these these actions that you do. Your childhood is the basis for who you are, and I don't think a lot of people give enough credit to that. I think we are doing it now better. I think a lot of people are being Mm -hmm. a little bit more open to, oh, my childhood was like this, and and it sucks because I know that parents don't want to think that they're bad parents, but Mm -hmm. I think this show. Helps with allowing yourself to recognize what I did was wrong. I hurt someone. I fucked up, and and owning up to that and realizing that you can try to be better and to grow, I think is very important. Because you know, even season six, BoJack, he he was trying his best and he was being better person. He grew a lot for a while at least, <laughs> and it's up to you to kind of make sure you don't fall back into the spiral of chaos and destruction that you leave with all the people that you care about but that's that's up to you right like once you grow up all our child trauma like even though we could explain it you know try to heal from it if you're doing bad things now like that's on you and that's okay to grow from but you just have to know that you have to take ownership of that
0: i've certainly had to reckon with it i think we all do at some point uh once you become an adult i'm really upset about some of the things that happened to me when I was a kid about the way that things were handled. It's frustrating to realize that, you know, maybe somebody will never apologize for the way that they may have made you feel.
1: Yeah.
0: And that does not mean that you get to treat other people that same way or even worse.
1: Yeah,
0: that, That's not an excuse. And I think that that's been an undercurrent in what you've been saying as it relates to the show, but also just in, in life. adulthood is all about accountability despite the circumstances and i think that you as well as this show have really uh, done a good job of of expressing that because it's true
1: is there anything that like stuck out to you that you're just like oh this thing was really resonant
0: Hmm. well i think the other side of consequences and mistakes and, you know, things that you're at fault for is at least hopefully atoning for the things that you've done wrong and and trying to grow after the fact. And I, I really like how the show reckons with that as well. Bojack as the main character, we've, we've touched on it ad nauseum at this point. He, he's done a lot of things that the average person would probably deem unforgivable.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm curious to hear your thoughts about like how the show handles trying to address forgiveness. It doesn't seem like to me that the show treats it how other shows treat it or how people generally come to understand apologizing. I think I grew up thinking, OK, if you apologize for something, you'll be forgiven. People will get over it. and then maybe they're the bad person if they don't forgive you. But I think this show really puts forth the idea that there's really no amount of, of apologizing or trying to make things right that has to make somebody else forgive you or, or understand your perspective or empathize with you. What do you think about how the show handled that?
1: My own personal view on you know, forgiveness and stuff is I think anything can be forgiven. I don't think anything's truly unforgivable, but I don't think anyone has to forgive anyone. You don't have to forgive people that did, even others, small slights against you. Like You have the right not to do that. If you feel hurt, if you feel like they don't you know, mean it or whatever, you, you could just be like, I don't forgive you. Having Herb, a, a man with cancer, in season one, not forgive Bojack when Bojack's apologized to him for shitty things that he's done, it really opened you know my eyes to, oh, shoot, you can just not forgive someone for something. And Herb did it a little bit, you know, out of spite, but like, you know, he had the right to, right? Like, his, his best friend just left him when he was struggling the most. He felt like that was too terrible to forgive. You know, forgiveness and, you know, relationships with people are, you know, more complex than, oh, I'm sorry, oh, it's okay. Like, feelings linger. You don't have to get over everything. But uh, I think ultimately the important part is that actions speak louder than words because you know for for bojack it's very easy and for anyone it's very easy to go up to someone that you've hurt and just be like oh i'm sorry you can mean it like you could truly truly mean it but if you're not gonna do anything about the issue that you caused, do you really like care i don't know if you do because you know diane and todd i think both say something similar to uh bojack which are his friends uh that you can't keep doing terrible things and getting away with it you have to try to be better and i think that that's super important because i think even in you know my own personal life like there are people that i've gone up to and said hey this thing that you do really hurts me and i don't like it and then they're like oh my god i'm so sorry you know i didn't know you felt that way you know whatever and then a month later they do the same thing for me it helps like letting it out and like talking to them about it but i don't know if they actually give a shit like, you know, like maybe to them, they're like, oh, it's just a habit. And I'm like, be better. <laughs> I, I'm not exempt from that. Like, there are things that I do that I know I can be better at and that I am not taking the actions to do better. And I think that trying to grow, like whether it be me or whether it be these people that, you know, hurt me or whoever, like I think is important. But, uh, you know, I think you have to kind of wrestle with the fact like, is this something I want to do? And if you're struggling mm-hmm. but trying I think that that's better than just continuously apologizing for something that you're going to do again. Because at that point, you know, it seems like you don't actually care, which is fine if the other person knows that and you know that, like, I guess. Because, you know, then you're like, oh, okay, you don't actually care about this thing? I don't have to deal with that. Like, (laughs) That's on you.
0: I think it's interesting because, yeah, Bojack got very good at verbalizing an apology. And it was... Trippy, because I'm watching the show and I'm watching him season after season apologize to his friends, so-called friends, and I, each time I I really want to believe him. I want to feel that this time it's different than the other times he's apologized. And to your point, I feel the sincerity in his voice feels like there is a part of him that genuinely does want to break out of his self-destructive habits that are impacting everybody else that has insisted on supporting him. But you're right, actions mean so much more than words. I think the show gave me a framework to see it in my own life on both sides. I've been hurt and I've also hurt people. There have been times where I've apologized profusely and my actions don't change. And I I have to deal with the consequences that come with not being a man of my word. You start to finally see some of those consequences happen for Bojack in the show and and even for other characters in in smaller ways. But I I really like that the show followed through on that because you have this character that never experienced consequences, at least externally, just by virtue of being a Hollywood star that people...
1: Oh, you're great. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, you're you inspired millions. You you made us all laugh. And so he didn't really experience a lot of consequences for a very long time, at least outwardly. It's a whole other conversation of his internal consequences. Yeah. Because I think he he suffered by virtue of his actions. But in terms of like public consequences or punishments that he had, th- those came much later in the show.
1: Yeah. They very much did.
0: All right. So with all of that being said, I'm wondering if there are any episodes that really stuck out to you that you want to address, any themes or concepts, ideas that come from those that we can parse through together.
1: Uh, yes. I think I told you to pay attention because you were watching the show as we talked. <laughs> uh, and I told you to pay attention to the second to last episode. Uh, yes. It's, it's called The View from Halfway Down. It's not an uncommon opinion for BoJack fans, but it's one of my favorite episodes of anything ever. Like I think it's just amazing. The the premise of it for listeners is basically all the people that you've seen throughout the show that have passed away are at a dinner party and they talk about, you know, death. They talk about their relationship with death, their with the relationship with life, the meaning of life and what's, you know, your purpose. It's, it, it tackles all of General themes of you know living and death, and it gets every single character's perspective on how they view it because they all die in many different ways, you know, tragic or natural. And Bojack's there, just kind of listening because ultimately he's also dying. You know, it's it's his own brain trying to like you know make reason to all this stuff and kind of projecting what he thinks they would say. For for me, I think it's like very important and resonant. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about about myself, if that's okay. I you know was very close to my grandmother on my mom's side, and she had a lot of friends that I would you know talk to when I was a child. But because of that, and, and through other like circumstances, I know a lot of people that have passed away. And when I was a kid, I, I went to quite a lot of funerals. And so my relationship with death is a little bit different, I think from other people like my age. I haven't lost any of my like I guess immediate family members, bar my grandmother. But I I still think that you know seeing a lot of people you know dying of you know cancer dying of you know old age and these all these people that you know I I knew when I was like five or six or seven, you know as I grew up and be like oh I you know these are people I talked to and and having to deal with like oh they're not there anymore it made me deal with with the idea of death a lot you know, to, to a point where like I'm I'm very scared of it it's great <laughs> but I I think. These characters, like, talking about it, I think, is, is very important for you know, coming to terms with it in some aspect and kind of, like, realizing what you want to do with your own life. How did you feel when they start talking, like, when they all gathered and they were all like, oh, you know, I died this way and I was important. And then they're like, "Uh, yeah, well, you're sitting at the same table as I am and I didn't do anything. <laughs>
0: yeah it was interesting because firstly it makes you think about the fact that okay bojack is sitting here at this table with all these people that we know have have passed away throughout the show so as a viewer i'm like oh shoot this fate that i i feel like has been following him throughout the whole show and i i feel like i've been personally invested in fending it off it may have caught up to him it felt a bit like a failing on my part in some abstract way because I felt like I was pulling for him to do better and and try to improve himself physically, mentally, emotionally. So that really stuck with me. But it certainly made me think a lot about death and the fact that it doesn't really matter how much you did in your life, how many people you inspired, uh, you know, how many people's lives you touched. Not that it doesn't matter. I, I don't want I don't want to frame it in that way, but yeah. The outcome of life is death in that sense. It doesn't matter who you were in life because we all will reach that, that same end. And it unsettled me of course. Yeah. Because I think, (laughs) yeah, because I think we all generally speaking, we all strive to live a meaningful life. Live a life that feels like it's doing something for the people that you care about, the people that you love. And so to think that it could all be for naught or that at the end of the day, none of it really matters, it's yeah. frustrating. It, it's hard to yeah. wrap I, my I, mind around.
1: Yeah, I think the episode does a lot in terms of like, because it gives you that, that perspective uh, on a couple of the characters where you have some terrible people. That are also with people that have done a lot of like generous work, and they're all still sitting at the same table. It it is very um, pessimistic, I guess, how you feel about oh well, this is kind of like where we all end up. Your religious views, you know, aside, we're all gonna pass away. <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. what happens after that? Like, no one ultimately knows for sure. But you know, I think all religions and all like views on you know life, they they tackle an aspect of death and like what that means and where that goes. Because we're, un, I think, you know, unsure. Because we don't know how what's going to happen. But I, I don't know. I, I think for me, because I've sat with it a lot longer, even though that end point is the same, I think that that makes the living, I think, more important. Mm-hmm. Because you know, these are, you know, even though this is like the end stop, like that that just makes the, you know, that uh, cheesy as it is, the journey. <laughs> like, like, what's important? I think that you know, living your life and doing good today and enjoying it and living with peace at peace with yourself and those around you that's all the difference right because if you live a negative life and you bring negativity around the world and yourself when you know the time does pass and you know we we all die and we kind of just end up you know where we end up then all that you had was the negative and this terribleness and i know that that is thrust upon people and, and i know that that's terrible but if you could try to do, bring a little bit of, you know, enjoyment or contentness to yourself or those around you, I think that that is what makes death okay, you know. I think that, you know, living life well and in, in a matter that you can, you know, look back on fondly and, and be content with, I think going into the whatever, whatever's next it will be a lot easier. You know, there, there's, there are people that try to be miserable like Bojack or bring misery around them because they don't know how to deal with their themselves. And I feel like that's such a disservice to all everyone else has done and all that you've done. Living is a crazy, rare thing in the grand scheme of things. And I think that trying to bring about some sort of, you know, positive, I think is important. And trying to do that, I guess, too. Like, not even just doing it. Actively trying just to... to to make things a little bit better because that is all we have. I, I think that, that that can be a little relieving to think, oh, we could try to be better and try to be good.
0: I, I really like that. I too am scared of death. I, I think a lot of people are and we all have our, our different reasons for why. But I guess in, in further reflection about that episode, it's also a lot about life and, and what you do with it while you have it. Because I think that is that was the equalizer between everybody at the table, despite their personal actions and the quote-unquote good people at the table, the quote-unquote bad people. They're all there, and they all have to sit with the lives that they had. But we here on the side of the living we still get to make choices. We still have the autonomy. We still can choose to get up and do a little bit better than we did the day before. And you're right. I think that that is an optimistic message to take from that episode. So that was the penultimate episode. We see Bojack having his major reckoning with death and also life and and what it would mean for him to continue and try to make something of his life beyond what he's what he's done so far and in the recent episodes. And then we we end the show in the following episode. And I think that the theme that I'm left with is really moving on and and moving forward, stepping out of patterns and traditions that seems like a lot of the characters thought that they couldn't break out of for the previous six seasons. How do you feel that the, the show ended? What are, what are your thoughts on some of the major themes of, of that last episode? Any takeaways that you're still sitting with?
1: Uh, I, I'd probably say what Diane said has still stuck with me. Bojack says first, sometimes everything's shit, then you die. Something to that effect. And then Diane says sometimes, but sometimes everything's shit, and then you keep living. And I, I think that that is the basic message that you're supposed to take away from BoJack. You know, I think that ultimately, no matter what happens, no matter what you do, to to keep living and what that means to you or what that means to those around you, I think differs. But things can only change if you keep living and you grow and you change and make things better, adapt and overcome. And on the opposite end, you know, things can get worse. You can bring terribleness <laughs> through the, through other people. But I think that living is, is that's what it's for, right? I, I know that that can be hard and, and that life is, you know, for many people, truly terrible. But I think that the, the penultimate episode of death is supposed to encapsulate, like, you know, this is it. After that, like, after death, we'll find out what happens. But nothing can change any longer. You can't grow. You can't, like, make things better can make things worse, allowing yourself to be like, okay, well, taking the steps to do stuff, I think can be really important.
0: Yeah, I'm interested in knowing if that is your philosophy, where do you source that from? What for you allows you to say, you know what, life can throw as many curveballs at me as it will. My desire is to keep growing and to keep changing. What do you think inside of you tells you to keep doing that?
1: Well, first, before before I answer that, I remember the full quote. It's life's a bitch and then you die, then life's a bitch, and then you keep living. That was on my mind. I just want to get out of, out of the way. Sure. <laughs> because j- just in case the audience is like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> like, uh, but as for as for me personally, I think like anyone in our generation, we have our bad days. <laughs> like and you know, sometimes there are things that feel like too rough to, to tread on. But there's a lot of things I've enjoyed and you know, there's a lot of connections that I've made and despite a lot of times, how I feel, or you know, how things are going. I enjoy living. I I, en- I enjoy being alive, even with the pain and stuff, whatever trauma I have. I enjoy being on this earth, like being able to do different things and and to feel, to grow, and to make relationships. I, I think having that in the back of my mind has really helped, even when things can get pretty bad mentally. Knowing that I'm here, I value a lot.
0: God, that was. That was really earnest and i I appreciate you for sharing that and i I was curious because i struggle with that sometimes figuring out what is the source for me what is that thing that makes me want to keep trying because yeah you, you can have those days those off days where you're just like what am i doing <laughs> Yeah. is what i'm doing <laughs> making any difference for myself or the people that i care about the things that i care about and so i think it's really important to try to center yourself and and find that thing
1: yeah i think that something that we've forgotten whether it be from capitalism or whatever is that mm-hmm. being alive is enough it's very easy to forget that or exclude that it's okay to just exist and to be content with that because i know for me I, sh- I struggle too with my purpose or what i'm doing and realizing that it's like you know i don't owe anything to, to the universe or you know, to anyone not like in a negative way but just that is okay
0: it's extremely hard to remember that and i think to tie things up with with this conversation about bojack horseman that's maybe something that at a different time in his life bojack could have heard and and maybe that would have made a difference for them because they they chased for so long this need to feel seen and heard and that's extremely valid I think we all have that on on some level but all the characters uh, on some level needed to hear that that is all that you have to do sometimes you're right I think we've we've lost sight of that and God I don't know if I can ever internalize that I, I really hope yeah so, that,
1: that part's the hard part <laughs>
0: yeah. Because you can know something, but actually feeling it, putting that into practice and, and feeling it is, is a whole other thing. But I, of course, want to thank you, Chris, for taking me up on this offer. You got an ominous text a few weeks ago <laughs> about being yeah. on this show with some guy that you don't really know. And I appreciate you for coming on and having this amazing conversation with me.
1: Oh, it's been great. I've loved it. <laughs> like, like, uh, I, I do remember getting the message. I was like, this is a random number. Oh, it's a long message. <laughs> like, and so, but then I was like, Oh yeah, that's, this sounds great. Like, you know, like I said, I love talking to you. You're great. It's been uh, a wonderful experience. Yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course you were great as well. And I think the way that we're, we're closing out this portion is really apt. And I, I hope that the listeners I know this was a heavier episode, but I I hope that we can leave things on a slightly optimistic note. Well, with that being said, stay tuned for ad break. We'll be back. All right, and welcome back to Retrospection Connection, and we are going to hop right into ad break. Let's start with the first question, if you're ready, Chris okay so question one what is your favorite tv theme song
1: well one because i don't remember a lot of the kids themes well i kind of do but like they're not they're not on me at the moment <laughs> but um, but also because I, I also watch a lot of anime besides bojack horseman <laughs> the best anime of all time um, yeah,
0: but well behind cory in the house yeah, i
1: guess uh, yeah i get it um <laughs> the one that always pops into my head is probably this uh this opening song in a show called death parade it's Mm -hmm. very pop it's very like you know upbeat and you know energetic and uh i just really like that song also it contrasts the show a lot because the show is kind of darker uh but Mm -hmm. it's called flyers by broadio look it up it's a good song i think there's other ones that i think connect with me more but i just i just think that was just the most enjoyable
0: all right cool question two how has your taste in media evolved over time and do you see any through lines between your current taste and that of your younger self?
1: I think that parts of it have stayed the same, where uh, I think I briefly mentioned that I-, I liked Avatar The Last Airbender as a kid. And me I too. Think, I-, I think that really kind of opened my eyes to like having good world building, having good consequences, uh, good storylines, and for me, character- Uh, Interactions. If if a show has good character interactions, that's its peak for me. (laughs) Like I just I just love shit like that. Connecting with people. That's that's kind of something I like. I like talking to you and about different things. I like other characters talking about other things. It's great. It's a great time. But I think I've become a lot more open to, to shows and stuff. Like, I try to give it a, things a chance. Even stuff that I wouldn't necessarily gravitate towards, I try to, like, keep an open mind. And even if I think that something's bad, like, I can still be okay with enjoying it. Or if I don't enjoy something, I'm like, I can still recognize that it's good. And I just don't like it. I think that having a little bit more of a an openness a an accepting of like oh i just not feeling it and a critical eye i think has all helped me grow in in terms of like my media consumption and then when it comes i guess specific types of media i read more a little bit (laughs) Uh, which you know i wouldn't have when i was a kid (laughs) like fuck reading like as a a child i was like i don't care
0: yeah i'm still struggling with that to this day so i I really would love to throw shade at that as as a gay man I, i would love to critique that but i i also did not read so
1: yeah it's fine <laughs> yeah.
0: all right and last question in the spirit of reflecting looking back and thinking about where you were uh once at and where you're at now what's something that you would say to your younger self the version of you that was watching bojack horseman that first season what would you say
1: oh so the, the bojack watcher I didn't know anything. <laughs> and, uh, um, I probably want to say something to the effect of, like, you're enough. Just something to make sure that you know, the me of the past knows that I'm okay with who I am. Maybe also something to the effect of, like, it's okay to fail. Because I, I don't think I ever really internalized that. You know, that I think that stopped me from doing things that I otherwise could have. So probably, I mean, you said one thing. I, I'm choosing two. <laughs> <But> <laughs>
0: done Boy, your head bad. choose one no Ugh. i'm just kidding oh, those are two great things look I've, I've been told by many a person including my my lovely therapist shout out to jake jake is dope Shout out, Jake. Uh, failure just like success is a part of life and through both you're going to learn a lot, but I, I do think I, I learned some of my most impactful lessons through fucking up and not making the best choices and not having the best outcomes. Nobody's not going to fail. We mess up. And I think to hear that from the version of you that is successful and is clearly a very thoughtful, considerate, good person. I'm sure that would mean a lot to young Chris. So I'm glad that's what you chose.
1: Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I thank thank you.
0: You're very welcome, and thank you once again for coming on the Retrospection Connection. You are a part of the RC family, and I would love to have you back on in some capacity to discuss some other things in the future.
1: Oh, I, I'd love to be back if, if you're if you're okay with having me again, of course. <laughs> so
0: we are absolutely okay with having you. All right, man. Well, I hope you have a good rest of your day and we'll talk soon.
1: Thank you. You too.